turn my mic up. Take there. Yeah, yeah, uh. On the road to the riches. Life takes a toll like bridges. Good friends become foes and snitches. Better watch who knows in your business. And now we're going to bring to the stage the largest customer in the world, right? Who wants to learn about government contracting? Good morning, Houston. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Come on, you guys. I know morning, we're almost ready morning, for lunch. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. Houston. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Ramel, thank you so much for having such an amazing event. It's really needed right now in this current market. And so, as he just alluded to, we're going to be talking about government contracting. That sounds a little bit heavy, though, right? A lot of you guys are fearful of government contracting. It's a big chew, but we're here to just kind of break it down, show you exactly how we got to where we are and how you can too. I want to take a poll. The lights are super bright up here, but I want to know how many of us small business owners are registered in SAM.gov? All right, keep your hands up, keep your hands up. Perfect. How many of us have bid on contracts? Ooh, how many of us have won a contract? Ah, do you see that? All right, so there's a gap there. Wait, I, I, miss, go I missed that. Can you ask that question again? How many have won? All right, so how many, raise your hands. Okay. How many of you have registered wow. in SAM.gov? All right, okay. how many of you have won a contract? Yikes. Stop it. You're Yikes, you see that? We've got work to do. We have work to do. And so our job and our mission today is just really to bridge that gap and provide you guys value in what it really looks like to align your business with the government. The government, as you know, is the world's largest purchaser. The infrastructure bill, that uh, the bipartisan infrastructure bill that passed really showcased that. Myself, Melanie Patterson, founder of Integrity Global Logistics and Team Integrity Knowledge Center, grew my business to seven figures in less than two years by utilizing the government as my top customer now right and so we have here uh, mr. Brandon Davis and Delano thank you thank you thank you so much so I want to go ahead and uh, talk to uh, mr. Davis can you share with the audience coming from a small town like Goldsboro North Carolina <laughs> all right <laughs> North Carolina uh, <laughs> Tell them exactly, um, this, this young man from North Carolina starting out uh, with fire trucks and where you are today. Yeah, uh, so I was actually before the fire trucks, uh, driving in 2008, uh, before the, the housing crash that lasted about a year. So I said, I gotta do something else right out of high school. So applied for the local fire apartment, Goldsboro, um, and became a fire engineer. Wanted to get back, you know, driving, you know, it was in my blood. And good career, um, found a part-time job driving for a company called Amerigas, I'm sure you all you know, have yeah. heard of. Um, so did that part-time, so I'm still you know, behind the wheel learning, uh, but my fire experience allowed me to get into different offices, different meetings and stuff like that because management at Amerigas would call on me from like a safety perspective. Ah. So I'm sitting in, the, in these meetings, they're talking about P&Ls and EBITDA, I don't know what any of that <laughs> stuff is, but I'm listening. Um, and so from there, you know, just start building the idea that, hey, one day I'm going to do this, you know, uh, do my own, you know, when the fire career is over. So uh, did that for 10 years of fire service and uh, 
then and then what made you jump into entrepreneurship and say hey you know what i'm gonna do this for myself getting out of the fire service uh, so that i wanted to do that for 30 years uh, but medically retired due to an injury and it was just like i want to do something um, you know, within transportation logistics. I saw the UPS truck. They, didn't, they weren't making $178,000. Absolutely not. <laughs> so um, started my own. Uh, saw a contract that was in the newspaper. It was for Home Depot. Uh, last mile delivery, delivering furniture and stuff. And uh, required box trucks. I didn't have a box truck, but I saw these yellow Penske trucks running up and down the highways. So I went to Penske and uh, they let me rent two trucks. I took those trucks over to the Home Depot contract and um, you know, from there we start working. And you started to build relationships, yeah, yeah. Gotta make right? It which is a great segue into building of relationships. Uh, within entrepreneurship, as well as government contracting, it's heavily weighted based upon your network, right? You guys often hear the term, your network is your what? Your yeah. net worth, right? That is big in business, especially within government contracting. I'm gonna go ahead and say it. As an African-American male mm -hmm. in a white male-dominated industry, mm -hmm. and this can go for either one of you, what are some of the things that you did to get uncomfortable, get comfortable with being uncomfortable and getting in those rooms that really don't look like us as this room right here? Gotta work harder. Mm. Get up early in the morning. It's, Fire service, prime example. They, they, they definitely don't want us there. That's an uncomfortable uh, setting. So I learned that, you know, in the fire service career. But ultimately, just doing a good job, being proud and prideful about what it is that I'm doing. I'm not going to, you know, from a you know, transportation perspective, I'm not going to be late. They say we're late all the time. We're on time. You won't say that about me. Um, safe. We're going to be the safest. Absolutely. Delano, would you like to chime yeah, in on that one? Absolutely. I, um... You know, the first thing that comes to mind is how much bootstrapping I've had to do over the years, especially in the beginning, and how I had to get past the fact that, you know, there weren't going to be a lot of opportunities for me. I wasn't going to be able to walk into a bank and get a loan. I wasn't going to be able to do this and get a line of credit and get financing for equipment. I had to just find a way to make it all work. And so uh, as I took on that persona, it moved me into this place where I just became blind to the fact that, that I had, it, it was just a natural course of, of doing business that I just knew I, I, I was already starting, I was starting with a disadvantage. And so um, just kind of like having that mindset moved me into this place where it's like, okay, I need to become really good at achieving the impossible because what I'm trying to do is very impossible for many. And it was most certainly impossible for me coming out of growing up in, in L.A. back in the day. Yeah. yeah, for sure. As a girl from Chicago who has a testimony of her own, I can identify with that. Um, but I do want to say that they're willing to do business with us. They're excited to do business with us. One thing that I want to showcase, us as small business owners, we really don't take it serious in regard to our back office, mm -hmm. right? And with government contracting, we have to have a very, very strong back office. Just to read off a few here, right? Um, so Mr. Delano, we have, uh, thank you for serving. He's a former veteran, and so thank you so much for that. So you were in the U.S. Army JAG, uh, JAG Corp, and some of your clients are the U.S. Secret Service, the U.S. Air National Guard, mm -hmm. as well as the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. What are some things that you had to do as a small business owner to prepare to take on such a large customer that seems to be daunting and intimidating? Yeah. 
Uh, we've all heard you got to fake it until you make it. So it's a little bit of that, a little bit of hustle. And um, there's something I've held on to over the years, and that's not letting go of my confidence. Mm. Uh, I remember I used to play basketball, and uh, while I was serving in the military, we used to have these three-on-three little tournaments, right? And so I put together a little team, and we were there, and we were like in the last game, and the clock was, 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 was counting, and the score was tied. And uh, I kind of like dropped off to the left, and I was like calling for the ball. And it was like three, two, and they passed the ball to me, and I took the shot. And uh, one, and it went in, and everyone erupted, right? But it's the, the thing that got me there was realizing to make that shot, I gotta first believe I can make the shot. And when I didn't have a lot of confidence on the basketball court, and it's funny, we're talking about basketball and, and, in this setting, but when I didn't have that confidence, the ball just didn't go in. But as soon as I stepped on the court with confidence and I'm like, let's go, give me the rock, I can make the shot, give me the chance, and start going in. And so I think I walk into rooms that way now. And so even as I've moved into places where like the US Secret Service, you know, they asked me to, uh, and my team, to address policing in America and to guide them on what's happening and what's important and what matters and what doesn't matter. And uh, all very, very tense discussions. And I'm sitting there with people uh, in DC and then that conversation moved to the White House. And so to your question, how do you exist in those spaces? You just gotta hold on to your confidence and you wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't believe how far that'll take you. Yeah, that's a great one. I know that you and I have had some personal conversations and you talk about yourself as a young man, knowing that you wanted to be an entrepreneur at 18. Yeah. But did you see yourself right here, scaling Jacob's eye with the government? No, I didn't. How I has didn't. that been for your business and, and the scalability of your business? On my 18th birthday, I was in Los Angeles at the courthouse getting my very first business license. And um, that's a birthday gift to myself. And I have been a entrepreneur and business owner ever since. So my entire adult life, I've been an entrepreneur. And um, through various things that I've done, moved into millionaire status by the age of 30. And it's been a fight. It's been a fight from, from that 18th birthday to, to me <laughs> now. And, 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 right. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Something that you said earlier that stuck out to me was disadvantage, right? And that comes with a stigma, disadvantage. Yeah. But with the government, I don't think that the audience really clearly understands with the government what disadvantage really looks like. So for instance, they have something called your size standard, right? According to your next code, everybody kind of knows what these, uh, a next code is. And so since we're in a transportation trucking setting, for next code 484110, right? One of your main next codes, general freight, uh, long hauling, to be considered small business under that size standard, that is a $30 million average over three years. How many people in this room are doing 30 million? 
Okay, right, exactly. So you can call me small business uh, if you want, but I'm going to leverage that. And I'm gonna showcase, Brandon, you did just that in your business. And so one of your strategies that you've used to scale your, um, your transportation business is utilizing what I am. I'm a minority and I'm a woman for me personally. For you yourself, you are DBE certified, disadvantaged business uh, certified, as well as MBE, Minority Business Enterprise certified. And then you've recently added on service disabled veteran. Tell them a little bit about that strategy and how they can utilize that as well. Yeah, um, so you know the, the DBE, doing research, right? So for me, you know, whether it be social media, um, settings that I'm in, I know what I'm interested in, right? So that's the stuff that I'm following. You know, I'm, I'm interested in government contracting. My LinkedIn profiles and stuff like that, that's the stuff that's popping up. That's what I'm following, you know, not, you know, the nonsense, you know. Uh, that's what I'm interested in. So I see that, you know, the government, for example, the post office, they've got this American Dream Act that's coming out. And so over the next 10 years, and they're going to be spending billions of dollars, right? Yep. yep. So, so and, and, and they've got a set aside of 30% uh, for minorities. Well, we're going to check that box. I, I want that. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm in New Jersey. Uh, New Jersey's talking $10 billion that they're going to spend infrastructure-wise over the next, you know, five years um, through the DOT. You need a DB certification. I'm going to check that box. So, <laughs> and then you get in the rooms. Um, I think that the, the important thing to point out with that is, too, just because you have the certifications, um, I don't have to be number one. So mm. I'll, be, I'll, be the, I'll be the sub mm. to that prime. I don't have to have all the, the insurance requirements and all that stuff. Let him deal with it. I'll work for you. Or her. Sure. Or her. Him or her. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And I want to really uh, be transparent and touch on that. Uh, being a girl from Chicago and, you know, always having my guard up and then entering into business with the same attitude, that did a disservice for me. Uh, one thing in the public sector, government contracting, there is no competition. It's collaboration. And you're only as strong as your team. And so you onboarding now, service disabled veteran has done what and opened up uh, the possibilities for growth within your business. In what way? Yeah. Uh, so it's like you said, relationships, partnerships or whatever. So um, there's this set aside for service disabled veterans. Um, so in the, the partnership that I had with, um, with uh, Jacinia, who helped me from day one build the business, um, better half, um, you know, for her being a woman owned, um, veteran-owned business, she can get certain opportunities afforded to her, you know, uh, but she lacked the capacity. I had the capacity, you know, so for her, you know, I fulfilled from the, the uh, truck and asset piece, and for her, and her, she fulfilled the logistics piece, you know, like the moving pieces. Um, so I use that same thing even with Amazon or FedEx when we, um, when we partner, you know, Amazon, they need to move a million packages this year through Mercer County, um, but they need a local small owned business like me to do it. So the same way I partner with Jacinia, I'll partner with, with Amazon. <laughs> awesome, great segue into the next thing that I wanted to kind of talk about in front of the audience is a lot of you guys, we have social media, which is an influence on us, right? Mm -hmm. And it oftentimes misguides us and we uh, are taught to register on sam.gov, the bids are gonna start coming in and you're good to go. <laughs> Not so much and also with that, did you guys know that you can do business with the government without being registered in sam.gov? How many people knew that? Raise of hands. 
Okay, so just a few, right? And so what does that look like? What are you talking about, Melanie? Simply registering on the state level in your backyard, like Adam uh, said earlier, starting to do business within your backyard, starting to understand government contracting, laying down the foundation. It, it's, it's very similar to transportation. It's highly regulated, right? We have to answer to FMCSA as well as some other governing bodies. Same thing with government contracting. So we need to be competent and understand what it looks like for us as contractors and vendors and suppliers to the government, right? Uh, tell me a little bit about your first contract, Delano, and what that uh, experience was like. Yeah, okay, very good. The um, <laughs> building on the last comment about teaming, I mean, collaboration is such a critical component to this. And, you know, in the commercial space, not doing business with the government, you're looking at a scenario, right, where the more people you bring to the table, the smaller the pie gets for you. Well, that's not the case with government contracting. The more capacity, which is a great word that we've already talked about here, the more capacity you have, the larger the contracts become. So I, I remember when I won my first $100 million contract, it was $112 million, and I put together a team that said, we can handle a big scope of work. And so government contractors, they don't really wanna write and manage 20 different contracts. They really wanna find someone like Melanie and say, hey, I'm gonna give you one contract for 50 million, and then you work with all these subcontractors and you manage them. And so um, as I moved towards our first contract, it was a struggle. It wasn't easy. I mean, I've got some steps here for you for those that are saying, hey, how do I start doing business with government? And that's a lot of the questions I got last night at the little reception event. Uh, so I have that for you if we got two minutes later. Yeah. But sure. um, I looked at who's buying what I'm selling. So you know what you sell. Okay, you know what you're good at. Who's buying what I'm selling? So there are databases within the government space where you can determine what contracts are out there and when are they expiring and when are they up for rebid. So you put together a really smart acquisition strategy. And so as I looked at who's buying what I sell, then I said, okay, well, who's buying the most of what I'm selling? And then I looked at, well, what does my competition look like? What do they have that we don't have? What could be my unique selling point, my differentiator, so that I can weave myself into and in front of these opportunities? And so it took me 18 months, easily. But then I won one. It was not much, it was only a couple hundred thousand dollars. But it was like, we take that, we take that, we take that. And, and I was like, wow, this, this does work. And then, uh, I don't know if anybody here knows Darnell Lee, but he's uh, uh, W&T Travel and Transportation, and he, has, uh, he had won a $32 million contract doing all of the shuttle service and some coach stuff for, uh, in Maryland for NIH and Health and Human Services and some other folks. And I'm like, yeah. I need to keep going because if he can win a $30 million contract, I could too. And then the next thing I knew, I won another one and another one and my revenue doubled. And then it doubled again and it doubled again. And so now I'm like at looking, I'm like somewhere around $10 million a year. And I'm like, wow, 
I haven't been here before. So I've got to learn all these new things about managing a $10 million business. But since I have become so good at government contracting and knowing how to be in the right place at the right time with the right product or service, my business doubled again. So now I was at $20 million trying to figure out what to do, how to do this, because where I came from, no one had a $20 million business. We doubled again the next year. We are here live at OTR Solutions HQ. I'm here with my partner, Jonathan. Man, listen, factoring is an integral part of the transportation industry. Why is factoring important? Absolutely, Ramel. In this economy, in this market, cash flow is king. Cash flow is the key to growth. If you have a young trucking company or if you've been in the industry for years and you want to take that business to the next level, we're absolutely a company that can help. So I hope you'll give us a call today. Let us know what we can do to help you out. Get the rest and roll with the best. Let's go. So now we're sitting at $40 million a year managing multiple contracts with multiple federal, state, and local government uh, agencies, figuring it all out. And, um, and this is what they shouldn't have done if they didn't want me to think that anything was possible. We bidded on this opportunity that we talked about <laughs> just a moment ago and it took us a year to put that proposal together. But we had the bandwidth at 40 million. We put that proposal together and I brought in iHeart and some other big players to build the right team. And we won a $112 million contract. So yeah, let's give it up. Definitely. But I gotta tell you, 11 months before then, I was, sitting in my car in tears because I felt like I was losing. And I felt like I wasn't a real, that it wasn't real, I wasn't real, and that it was all going to fall apart. I wasn't gonna be able to hold on to this, so I better just like enjoy it while it lasts as I was trying to figure it out. After I won that contract, I remember we moved in Bloomberg government and uh, USA spending, they keep track of who's winning government contracts in all these particular ways. And um, we had moved into a top 10 government contracting firm for marketing services. And um, which is like, how'd that happen from, you know, a little young dude from, from LA? You know, and, uh, and I'm sitting here and we're, we're celebrating. And I go into my office and then one of our employees walks over and she knocks on the door and she says, hey, Mr. Massey, I wanted to, I wanted to tell you something. And I'm like, we're having a good day today. What, what do you have to tell me? And she like leaned in and she said, no, I, you know, the fact that we are a top 10 government marketing agency, a, a top 10 government a marketing agency, Revenue-wise, size-wise, that means that we are and you are the number one minority-owned marketing agency in the country. And I'm like, yes. All of this happened with government contracting? And um, not to steal any more time, but we stayed that course, and just four or five years later, we won our biggest contract. 
404 million. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, congratulations on all of your success and great, great story. Uh, I want to point out that government contracting is not a get rich type of thing, right? You're in it for the long haul. On average, statistically, it takes uh, about 12 months to win your first contract. But let me tell you, it only takes that one. All right, great, great story. Brandon, I want to talk to you a little bit um, from trucking to trucking. Uh, one thing for me that has been a game changer is uh, moving away from the low board, right? There's opportunities that you find within the government that you simply just won't find um, in, in the spot market. How has that provided you the ability to kind of really look at your numbers, engage your scalability? All right, cool. It's time to add on new vehicles, right? And we can kind of scale because we have dedicated contracted freight. Yeah. Um, so I, I did the spot market for maybe two, three months and just like, I'm not, I'm not doing this. Um, so relationship back, back to relationships. Um, I found the areas of opportunity. So uh, Amazon is where I started at, you know, like the real big opportunity came available. They had a need and couldn't fulfill that need. It was in a small, um, town in Pennsylvania where they needed shuttle drivers. I didn't have trucks, but I kind of like fake it till you make it. They called me and they were like, we need some hostler trucks. Um, they wanted two at the time. So um, they looked at my spot market uh, performance on their low board, how I was performing. And so they gave me an opportunity based off of that. Um, so that was my first dedicated contract. And you know, it's, it's just been relationship from there. The thing that I've also learned with you know, working with the, the bigger companies like your Amazons and FedEx and stuff like that, they know when the market's gonna change. It was, I was in conversations at the beginning of the year that, that I knew like FedEx was shifting from more of the, you know, the retail space to, to more infrastructure. So I start preparing myself as well. Um, and with that, um, having the dedicated contracts, I can budget, I can look out a year, two, three years, four years, hey, we can take on this new opportunity because we can afford it. We're not gonna run out of cash trying to feed this one. Um, it was kind of difficult to deal with the, with the spot market because it's like, Am I gonna run it for a thousand dollars a day? Six hundred? Am I sitting home? It's just across the board, dedicated. <laughs> yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, let's really dive into it and talk about something that I'm presented with often: is how do I float the capital? over the course of that net 30. Mm. So if you guys do not know, the government pays you on the back end and mm -hmm. you have to front that project on the front end. As small business owners, one of our number one bottlenecks are what? Capital, capital, money, right? And so me, myself, I, yeah, I'm gonna, bow my head. So I had a, a, a $2 million contract that I thought that I could float the capital myself. And I quickly burned out. And I had to tap into some resources to help me with that. Drivers want to get paid. They're not trying to hear about your government customer paying you net 30, maybe net 45 at times, right? What are some things that you guys- They don't even guys, understand that. What is net 45? They don't 45? even understand Paycheck it was Friday. What, at what's all. up? Small, yeah, small banks. Yeah. So, what are some things that you did, and if you don't mind, even name drop some third-party financing institutions that help you, such as Parabolus, uh, to kind of get you some funding. Um, so I use small banks uh, is, 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 is the route that I went. I know, like, you you got factoring companies, you got bridge loans, whatever it is that you need to get you over that hump. But yeah. uh, 
establish a relationship, wherever it is, whether it be a factoring, whether it be um, bridge loans, a bank, these big Wells Fargo's chases, stay away from them because they're not thinking about us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's what I did. Small, small community bank, I'm having coffee with the banker. <laughs> Absolutely. Small community banks are definitely where to go, as well as credit unions are another great yeah. one for me. And then also looking at possibly your factoring company to facilitate as well. Delano, do you want to kind of chime in on that one? Yeah, we definitely use factoring as we moved into uh, a few spaces that, that just we just couldn't float it. It just didn't make sense. We didn't have a good pricing strategy. We didn't have a good uh, 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 cash flow system. It was just money. The ins and outs were crazy. And, um, and so we did have to leverage factoring for, and, and, and factoring, so for, for lack of better terms, just to be brief, you know, what we're saying is you're basically selling your invoices to a company to be paid early? Oh, they're aware. Most of the people in this room are utilizing factoring. factoring. This event is So what we need to talk about OTR. is how to get out of factoring. Yes. So you can get your money back. Absolutely. So factoring is a, is a great option. I would say too, negotiate your rates. Negotiate yeah. your rates. Um, it's really based upon volume and, and what you're producing as you, just, uh, as you just stated. Awesome, awesome, awesome. As we wrap up and we go ahead and end this particular session, is there anything that you guys wanna share with the audience that really flip that switch for you guys within business and government contracting uh, and navigating this very intimidating uh, world of government contracting but so necessary for us small business owners get comfortable being uncomfortable Ah. you got to get comfortable being uncomfortable get your name out there like who knows you Um, so Mm -hmm. from marketing perspective you got to get your name out there yeah for me it um I think I would want to leave you with it's worth it and mm. you will have to learn some things. It will be, you know, an investment of time and energy and, and you will have to get educated. And, and there's the whole side of once you win the contract, how do you stay out of trouble as a government contractor? Right. Because all you got to do is turn on the news and you'll see folks that are making mistakes and going to jail and other things. Right. So that doesn't need to be anybody in this room. And it doesn't have to be your story. You just gotta figure out what you have to do to make your way in this space. But is it worth it? You know, um, my last birthday, I, um, I, um, I booked a private jet. And I, and I took my family, we said, I said, just for my birthday, we're just gonna go for one day. Jet came. You know, we, we had to go to the airport, the local airport, like 30 minutes away, and they catered to us. We all came, my family, we got on the aircraft. They were like, Mr. Mashley, where do you want to go? You know, we went to, uh, we actually went to Charlotte, and uh, we stayed there for the day, shopped a little bit, ate, chill, talk, laugh. And then the pilots were like, Mr. Mashley, what time do you want to go back? And I was like, oh, we're having fun. You know, and uh, maybe eight. He said, okay, we'll be ready for you. So, you know, the drivers would take you right up to the, to the aircraft and you get off and get in and then they flew us home. And um, I'll never forget the look in my eye. I mean, my daughter's eyes, she's like on her little um, uh, iPad thing and she's like playing games and she's just like looking around, like taking it all in. And we never would have gotten there 
if we haven't figured out how to leverage government contracting. I probably would still be a business owner doing one, two, three, four, five million dollars a year. But here's an opportunity for exponential growth. Here's a place where you can take on a $30 million contract and have net margins in the 30s and 40s and 50%. Now, is it transportation? There's a lot of money going into DOT, but you may need to open yourselves up when you get there to other things, and that's okay. Master this, whatever you're doing right now, master that, and then hire somebody else to run it and move on to that next thing. It, it, it's, it truly is sky's the limit, and I'll leave with this, $80 trillion every year is being awarded to government contractors to do various things. So how is it, team, right? I didn't see any hands that said that they want a government contract. So how is it that all these other people are winning $80 trillion worth of government business and you're not? That's a lot to walk away from. And that's not just this year. It's going to be next year, too. Mm -hmm. Starts all over. So I, I encourage you not to waste any time. I mean, this is, this is, this is the game changer. And not only a game changer, it's a win-win situation for you, yourself, your family, but also your team and your business and your company. Um, that's something that, that, I, that I'm very proud of. I, I love to build a very solid uh, culture within all of my organizations. Um, with that, I know that we're kind of out of time. I wanna showcase that this is possible, right? You have three individuals who started from nothing and, and here we are today. I too was gonna be a part of the 9,000 revocations um, that you guys see but with government contracting I was able to stay in the game and also pivot it's not about how many trucks you guys have it's not about how many trucks you guys have I want to say that one more time it's not about how many trucks you guys have it's about how you pivot during market trends and how you leverage what you already do have. Government contracting is definitely something that you guys need to onboard within your business. As you guys have seen, they're recession proof, they're not touched or infected by inflation, right? And so, and they're not gonna file for bankruptcy and close their doors. As you, as you guys have seen, as I have seen with a lot of direct shippers in, in warehouses as yellow, you know, for example, uh, the government just doesn't suffer from those brunts within the market. The government shutdown, our government contracts and our funding for our government contracts are already secured. The money is already allocated. So we're not affected by this government shutdown, right? Um, and so that's what I mean when I say this is a win-win situation. Once again, I wanna thank you so much, Brandon. Delano, always a pleasure. Um, and you guys, go get what's yours. If you twisted, confused, or stuck about trucks, don't be dumb. This is the place to come. Truck and hustle. Let's go!